you say to me, calm down. I'm like, yeah. don't tell me to calm down. Yeah, that's one thing you tell chicks <laughs> to calm down. They oh freak, my God. freak out. Like you freak just, the heck out. Oh my goodness. Just calm down and just take a chill pill. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How are you guys doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 32 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Yes! The 32nd episode. You know, it's funny because we've done this, this is the 32nd time, not including bonus episodes, and I still get nervous every single time I turn the microphone on. I know. When we were getting started, this was take number, what, five getting started, Chris? I know. I keep trying new intros, and Christine's like, nope. Don't do that. You've never done that before. Change it up. But oh, whatever. Well, I'm, trying, I'm trying to be fun. I'm trying to be, you know. It's like you're changing, like, it's like you're changing your name. Like when we started no, our it, intro. But it wasn't that different. It was like, it was like friends, like, hey, how you doing, I everybody? was trying to hold, how you doing? <laughs> I was like, how you doing? How you doing, baby? You know. Yeah, but. no. Uh-uh. You threw me off. We got started and then we had to redo it a couple of times. And then you, I don't know, you started acting weird. And I'm like, what's going on with you? And then you said... Well, I, I said that I'm not a planner and I throw things. I'm spontaneous. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? Can I get yes, it? Yes. And that you wanted to mix it up yes. on the fly. Yeah. I'm trying to change things up on the fly because Christine is like, you had this uh, uh, conversation earlier. She is a very much a planner. Like she will plan everything to the minute to the detail and i'm more of a eh, whatever let's just go with the flow i'm more go with the flow whatever happens happens hey that looks like a good idea let's try that you know and then christine's like no no we, that was not in the script we cannot do that no <laughs> ad living here and i'll tell you the last couple of weeks have been super super difficult because i am a planner and i had my calendar full of appointments and travel and lots of different plans and those have all been thrown out on their head as we are walking through this new era of life. And that's what a bit we're, of what we're going to be chatting about tonight is about what to do when the, the plans go out the window. Right, Chris? Well, you know, I mean, I'm okay with that because I'm kind of used to it. And I see a lot of people, especially your son Ezekiel, how he's very, um, it's really taken its toll being at home, being away for kids. And I kind of was wondering about this today. How kids that are single, you know, kids that have no siblings, they're just single kids in the family, how are they dealing with not being around other children that are the same age? How are they able to adapt and have that, like, communication skills and just playing with other kids, you know, something you need as a kid? Yeah, I get that. And I've been struggling with that quite a bit myself as I've been home this week and actually um, off of work this week because I have been under the weather. And so I think it's made me feel quite a bit alone this week. Well, you're never alone because I'm always here for you, baby. Aww. And you're here in the house and I'm always here every day. And this has been so great that I actually get to see you every morning when I wake up and all day long until I have to leave for work. Doesn't that feel wonderful? Yeah, it does. I do really like it when I'm working, which I wasn't for the back half of this week. But when I'm working and you get up you knock on the door and you check in. If I'm on a conference call, you know that I can't be interrupted. But 
Then yeah, you make I'll, a I'll wave. I'll wave behind Christine in front of the camera. Give her, <laughs> give her like the uh, the rabbit ears behind her head. It's like, hey, everybody, what's happening, business folks? Peace out about it. <laughs> and then yeah. you go down and make coffee. And whenever I have a break, I come sneak down and grab a quick cup of coffee. And that's been nice. And then on my lunch break, to be able to sit together and and chit chat. I think it's actually been really nice because for the whole first part of our relationship, we really didn't see each other like. Tuesday through Saturday morning at all, really, unless like I would stop out at a gas station that you were at. Right. Or maybe a lunch break. You'd come home right. and have lunch and we have go get lunch together or something like that, which is always fun too. Yeah, it definitely was. But I do like this being able... I mean, the first week or so of the me working remotely was a bit of an adjustment, you know, me being in the space and you being used to having your own space. But I think now that I have the home office set up, I think there's a yeah, better like, rhythm. Yeah, it's like your own space already. You have your own little office, your own little room, the bed's in there, the office is in there, and, and you're kind of like your own little world. That I can kind of be my own person and not be in, invading your area, right. and you're not invading my area. Right, yeah. It's made it a lot nicer, for sure. I love it. I mean, do you like it? I do. I love it. I was just looking at the the setup just earlier today because uh, I moved out some boxes and things and moved in a bookshelf and got it all situated. And like we talked about in a previous episode of the podcast, there's a great view of the cul-de-sac from that room. It's like the best window in the house. For an office. For the office. Yeah. Because the sun... It's like it's almost like a guard tower, if I think, you know. <laughs> yeah. as, as I look at it, like, yeah. you're, you're, like you're sitting in this guard tower, like control room. Yeah, it's like more like a control room where you got this big window right in front of your computer monitors and your computer stuff and your desk, and it faces the window. It, well, it's you looking on your computer. You look straight. You look out the window, and you see, look west. I feel like it's like air traffic control. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> you're like landing the planes yep. at, at the runway, and you're sitting right there. It's a great place to be. If you know, and, and it might be make it really hard to go back to the office and do the regular thing once once this is all done and over with. Right, for sure. But uh, what else has been going on in your world this week, Chris? Well, this week I worked uh, all week, of course, you know, and uh, it's been a nice weather for the most part, you know, but rain's coming around the corner. Gosh, you know, work's been kind of slow, but for, for it's kind of picking up a little bit. Um, people still need gas, which is weird, you know. People are still out buying gas and they're still running around. Not as much, I must admit. The roads are not as busy as they were. But... Um, you know, people are still buying Uber deliveries and, and um, Amazon deliveries and all that stuff. Not to mention people still need gas to go to the store. And surprisingly, most people are still working. I can tell they're still going to their jobs, you know. Well, I don't know about most people, but the essential workers like you, you know, the people that are desperately needed. Well, I did hear a story, and I don't know if this is true or not, because I heard it on uh, some news source. And it kind of made sense. It's like this. The if you take the the wealthy and not so wealthy, take take everybody's income, you kind of divide it in the middle, like the bottom half and top half. It seems like more of the top half of the people are actually the ones staying home and getting paid because they can afford to do that. The ones that are the bottom half of, of income actually have to go into work. They have to make that risk. Do I take on coronavirus? Eh, but I need to make money, so I'll just go do it. And a lot of those kind of jobs, you know, the convenience store jobs, the lower, you know, the lower, the gardeners or whatever, they'll just do it if there's a job available for them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
yeah, it's been really interesting to see who's working and who's not. But I did have a question, Chris, since you're out at the gas stations yeah. uh, filling up a lot, not not filling your truck up, but filling other trucks up. Uh, has the price of gas started to really go down? Yes, it quite. It actually has dropped quite a bit. Um, I do believe that someone said it's going up on the it's on the rise a little bit. Um, you know, like like it's going up a little slowly, but it is going up a little bit. But uh, the stations still are, you know, they're still. I mean, they're not they're not as busy as they have been. But but uh, is it under the three dollar mark now? Well, here in California it is. But That's what I was asking. I heard in other places in the country, I heard that in Texas, somebody saw it for 97 cents. I was just going to tell you that near my sister's house, about 30 minutes away from my sister's house in Minnesota, her best friend just posted a picture right before we started recording tonight. 94 cents. No way. 94 cents in Red Wing, Wisconsin, I think is what it's called. Was it a or major? Red, no, Red Wing, Minnesota. What, is it a major company or was it like a generic brand? It was brand? a quick stop. The KWIK, the Wait, Quick Stops. Quick Stops. Yeah, back in the like Midwest and the East Coast, Quick Stops are like the Arcos. Oh, okay. There are a bunch of them. Okay. okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole ton of them. And oh, so, wow. Yeah, so it's like a chain. So it's not like a one-off, but it was a Quick Stop. And it was like 94 cents. I think it was Red, Red Wing, Minnesota. Well, work has been steady for us. They've been giving us extra things to do, oddball things we can do, and just to keep us busy so they don't have to park the trucks or do layoffs, which is kind of a, a good thing for me. God, who wants to be laid off, you know? Right, for sure. And, you know, like I mentioned, I'd been um, under the weather for this week, and so I'd been taking care of my health for most of the week. But the one thing that I already started working on is sewing masks. Oh, that's right. It's required now. Yeah. So in San Diego County, which is where we reside, the health officer came out a couple of days ago and said that it is strongly recommended that from now on for every individual in San Diego County, when you leave your house, that you have a, a cloth covering of some kind, a mask over your nose and your mouth to prevent the transmission or the I don't know what you say, contraction, getting getting the the COVID-19 coronavirus. Getting or giving the corona, I think is what we're talking about. Right, yeah. So I had uh, picked out some fabric about a week or so ago and had some ribbon and stuff like that at home. And so I decided to start sewing up masks for our family. That was great. And we passed them out and, and Christine did a fabulous job on them. Well, she, thanks. She had a sewing machine and she did a great job putting that all together. I loved it. I was playing with different styles and different sizes. And- uh, yeah. I gave Chris his masks and he's like, well, I kind of like the one that I have at work. It kind of like pinches over the nose. I like, know. He, I, I per- he was such a diva. Yeah. I was being a mask diva. Is that a thing? I don't oh know. my gosh. I had to make three. And then he went back <laughs> after I made all three. He went back to the first one that I made and he's like, I actually like this one the best. I was like, are yeah. you kidding me? Well, I don't know. I'm not a mask. I don't wear masks very often. I'm not a bank robber. I don't know how this stuff works. <laughs> and speaking of which, you know, it's funny. They said you have to wear these when you go into banks and places like that. But now you're covering your face. So it's like everybody looks like a bank robber. Yeah, it's not the best. But I did make for Chris and for Jacob and Mason, Star Wars. Oh, and for uh, Chris's dad, Fred, Star Wars themed masks. And then for his mom and I, we have a, like a female print kind of pattern and then for Ezekiel, I have a football, well, a couple of little football ones, but also uh, I made some for the boys for the other household and for Chris's ex-wife and her fiance because they work in a service industry. And so we definitely want to make sure that they're safe when they're you know, facing the public. And so that's what I've been working on. And I've been experimenting with different patterns and 
just trying to figure out how to keep us all safe. Well, that is fantastic, Christine. Well, I'm so happy to help with that. And we're going to be talking about some other things that relate to family, including blended families in this current context that we have and a couple of other really interesting things. We're going to be back with those hot topics right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Ooh, ooh. And now it's time for Hot Topics. Do, 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 do. Well, alrighty then. It's time for Hot Topics. What you got for us today, baby? Well, today, being that it is the 32nd episode, and being that it is in the middle of this crisis we're going through right now, this world pandemic, this United States pandemic, oh my goodness, what are you going to do? Now, if you had made any plans for the year 2020, like we have for our wedding, oh my goodness, coming out this year, we are getting married later this year, November. Well, we are supposed to. But because of all the things that have happened now, it's kind of put a big hanker on anchor or what do you want to say on our plans. Right. Yeah. So we have a list of things um, that uh, it's basically a story or an article that talks about the very same thing because everybody's got events and everybody's got plans happening, not just weddings. We're talking birthdays. We're talking graduations, uh, graduations, bar mitzvahs, quinceañeras, quinceañeras, all that. Nice, nice, nice attempt to say that. I know. Quinceañera. I I ran right through it. Um, (laughs) But we got a lot of stuff and the CDC says they don't know when this events are going to happen. And they also said that you have to have no gatherings bigger than 10 people. Right. Which basically limits it to anything. And also with travel, travel ban, uh, they don't want you to go anywhere except for the store, to work, back home. Oh, yeah. Zeke and I had the a spring break trip planned for Vegas, but then everything shut down. And I just got notified that all the flights were canceled for what? that specific trip. So it's like even if we wanted to go, even if the casinos were open, there's no flights. Like everything is unpredictable right now, which makes it really hard when you're planning a big event or celebration of any kind to know that you can move forward with any kind of certainty, right? And also, on that same note, and also the fact that our specific event is out of the state. It's actually out of the mainland. You know, right. you, you can't just like drive there, you know, right. to Hawaii. You can't drive to Hawaii. So, um, so what's it, a person to do, Chris, when well, they're faced with this, um, having a big event and they don't know whether or not they're going to be able to go forward with it, what advice have you found for these individuals? Well, the first thing that they have here on this list is a pretty simple one. They say, the first thing, just breathe. Okay, that's easier said than done because I know that I've been so, I don't want to balled up about this, that I've been like super tense and I feel very emotional whenever we we talk about it. And so when you like... People will say, calm down. You say to me, calm down. I'm like, yeah. don't tell me to calm down. Yeah, that's one thing you tell chicks to calm down. They <laughs> oh free, freak out. Like you freak just, the heck out. Oh, my goodness. Just calm down and just take a chill pill, or, woman. Or he'll say, <laughs> Chris will say, breathe. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to breathe right now. But it's funny that they say, just breathe. Well, here they say that uh, there's a lot of scariness involved with what if scenarios. And the thing is, nobody really knows. You know, so um, just breathe. Take some moments to take some pause and some clarity and think about what you're going to do. Yeah, I think that taking that moment to just take a deep breath is really important because I've heard that when you breathe, 
that it helps to quiet your thoughts a little bit. And so then the second thing that is on this list is you ultimately at some point are going to have to decide whether to cancel or postpone your event. And what they say here in this article is that for smaller gatherings, important gatherings, but maybe haven't taken as much time to plan, sometimes you have to make a decision quicker and sooner to the event. Whereas like a wedding, that that's takes pretty big. a lot of planning and you have contracts right. and money that's been out. Well, Christine knows. Yeah, you have to make a decision uh, as soon as you can and sometimes even months out because you know that it might not be possible, right? Right. And also here it says, next thing it says, also be flexible with new dates because you may have to change it. And here it says that for a wedding, for example, most weddings are usually on Saturdays. And then with everybody changing their plans and everybody rebooking uh, new dates, I bet every Saturday after, every Saturday it's available, say after the um, the event is uh, greenlit, ready to go. I bet everybody's booking those. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of glad that we actually are getting married on a Friday. We made that decision a long time ago because we knew that Saturday were peak days and we could get better prices on a Friday. But oh, really? You said that? Because it actually says this in this article. Yeah. <laughs> it says choose Fridays instead. And then it also says choose, don't choose August or summer months. Try pushing a little further down the line like November, which, oh. ha- which happens to be what we're doing. Look at us. Right. But unfortunately, what I got this fear of is that if everybody's booked for like, say, summer and they get booked to say fall, then might book us to February. No, <laughs> honey, we're, we're contracted for our day. But the next item on the list is to communicate with your guests. And one of the things that they recommend is that regardless of what the event is, whether it's a graduation, a bar mitzvah, a quinceanera, an anniversary party, that you can set up a website or a Facebook group to be able to communicate with your guests about details. And I know we have a wedding website. Oh, we do? Yeah, we do. And okay, that's I, have where, to look, I have to look at that one these days. <laughs> and that's where I post all of the details about the wedding. But also it says if you haven't sent an invitation out, then you can send out a digital little note or a postcard to just say everything is scheduled for the date keeping in mind that there are other global events happening and we're aware of that or something around that. Yeah, but doesn't also kind of give a little bit of feedback. Like, um, I, I would think you probably want to know, let your guests know that we are still kind of in the you know, kind of a transitional, like we don't know yet phase. So let us know if you're still on board. Because if you are, great. We're going to try to see, but we'll, we'll let you know. We'll keep you posted, I guess. Yeah, they had some language in this article around that, something that you could include on a website. And so um, it's definitely something to be aware of. And I'm sure that for all of you that are planning any types of big events, definitely look into different ways where you can communicate with your guests, but keep them in the loop. I know that for my nephew's graduation that's supposed to happen at the end of May, I keep asking my sister like, Hey, do you have any updates? But she has a Facebook group for us and she's keeping us in the loop and the school hasn't or the district hasn't made a decision on it. And so for right now, everything is still a go, but I'm going to be traveling with two of the kids out to Minnesota for that. And so the sooner we know, the better, because we have to make you know, cancellations if needed. And speaking of letting people know, it's also very important. I would suggest do this right away is contact your vendors immediately. Every vendor, every, every hotel, every, uh, if you booked a, a place, a resort like we did, I told Christine, get on the phone, contact them with immediately and find out what the deal is. See if, because with going to Hawaii as of right now, I believe when you, if you could even get a flight to Hawaii, 
if that's even allowed. Uh, once you get there, you got to be quarantined for 14 days in some hotel room. Right, automatically. Before you can even go anywhere. So now you're looking at a, a one-week vacation turned into a three- or four-week vacation and is being quarantined in a hotel room really a vacation? Right. No, no, not really. So that's not fun. Everybody to do that, that's a lot of time away from work if they're working. That's a lot of money being spent. Hotel room for three weeks? And two, two of it? In Hawaii? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine the price no, that is going to be? I can't. But that's one of the things that we did right away is um, Chris did have me get on the line and contact our vendors and secure copies of all of the different contracts and reading all of the different caveats. You know, you don't think about that sometimes when you're like getting ready for any kind of an event, but a wedding especially, and you're just like, Oh, I'm so excited. But I actually read all of those contracts super carefully when I was getting ready to agree to them. Yeah, nobody ever reads. They're so small print. They're like at the very bottom. <laughs> and they're like, just sign here, you know. But You're good then to go. they have like the natural disaster sections. And so I did read that in all of our different contracts. And there are little caveats for situations such as this. The challenge is our wedding's not until November and... You know, we're in this limbo stage right now. And so there's not a whole lot that can be done right now. But we definitely have set a date of when we have to decide whether or not we're going to be able to keep it. Oh, did they say you have to make a decision by X date? No, no, no. But you and I set for ourselves. Remember? Oh, right. Okay. I was just wondering if there's a cancellation date. You can only cancel up to the certain date. But I would think that with all everything going on, you would think they'd be more flexible about can- canceling, I would hope, or at least get half your money back. Or rescheduling or something like that. Yeah, they're probably more p- prone to, to just do a reschedule than actually give you all your money back. And that brings us to the next item on the list, which is prioritize any vendor issues. And it goes into talking exactly about what you were just saying, Chris, is figuring out what the cancellation or change policies are, if there's going to potentially be any challenges with any vendors, should they have a no refund policy or a no cancellation policy, what you're facing? Because we do know that regardless of what the event is, there can be significant money lost. And we definitely want to support you. Yeah, we want to support you in not losing that money. And so prioritize which vendors you might need to be a little bit more careful in your communication with more frequently as you make this decision. And I think the quicker that you, yeah, I'm sorry, the quicker that you talk to them, um, the sooner that you actually don't wait to last minute and then it's too late. You know, I would probably be upfront with them just like with any of these kind of bills. If you can't pay your mortgage, for example, you probably want to let them know immediately before it's too late and they go to collections and everything else. Same thing with this. I would say, let them know as soon as you can. Yeah. And then what's the next thing on the list? Well, Chris? the next thing on here, it says in case you can't do that, it says if you can't get together as a group, like what most people are doing. You know what most people are doing right now, Christine? They what can't, are they doing? They can't go to the bar. They can't hang out. They're doing virtual chat rooms via Zoom or, or uh, Google Hangouts or whatever the cool thing kids are doing these days. And it says be open to virtual vi- uh, virtual visions of your event. Virtual versions? Versions, sorry. <laughs> I misread. Uh, the thing's getting blurry in my vision. So, uh, but yeah, so I guess they're saying is that like have like a, uh, it's like like the thing we've talked about before where, you, where you're on a face chat or a FaceTime and you're kind of like, like everyone's in a group chat. Um, what do you call it? like a, you know. Or like Facebook Live. So like, let's say called. like a wedding, we're seeing people go and elope, but then somebody will like Facebook Live video stream it and so that others can be there virtually. It's not the ideal, but you know, if you're committed to your date and you can't have the wedding of your dreams, but you still want people to celebrate with you, 
there are virtual versions available. You know, I wonder if this thing is not a new concept. I wonder if they, if they have drive-through weddings in Elvis in Vegas. I'm sure they've got to have FaceTime weddings and FaceTime like uh, ministers on the fly, just an app. You pull them up, and you want to get married. Like, can you imagine if there was like an app where we just like. FaceTime the minister that like elopes us like on the phone. <laughs> that would be so funny. Like, you have to we... have a marriage license first though. Do you do? What was what like a little document on the phone no. that you sign on your finger? Or you, you just you scan your finger or whatever. And then you say, hey, by the way, if not, if that's not a thing, I'm going to make it a thing. It'll be like my <laughs> Chris's Wedding's uh, app. And it was just like, if you want to get married, just dial up the app and we'll marry you right there on the spot. That's so funny. Yeah, we could record it and everything. You mm-hmm. have a recording of it and have like a full recording with maybe the, the music and the ceremony music. And we play it back for him. And like, this is your whole wedding book. Your whole wedding is on your phone. Like, Leave it to Chris. He's going to come up with the updated version of how to get married without actually leaving your house. Gosh, that is like a million dollar idea. I think about that right now. I got to stop this podcast and get on that right now. Yeah, we'll get back to work. Well, the next item on the list is um, to definitely continue to monitor the news. Now, I do want to give a little caution with this because there's a point when watching the news gets overboard. I know in those first couple of days, I was so balled up in anxiety and I was watching the news every different news channel I could, every news app watching all of the updates, texting my sisters, about to have a meltdown. So monitor the news, but don't be obsessed. Just be aware of the important national and local ramifications so that as it relates to whatever the event is that you have coming up, you know whether or not you're going to be able to move forward with it. Right, Chris? That is very that is correct. Thank you, Christine. And the very last thing I have on this list is something I probably would not recommend but it's on the list. It says, consider hiring a professional event planner. Now, that just speaks to me as more money, more money you're dumping down the drain because you're already trying to dodge bullets with with uh, getting screwed out of this event closing or that event closing and not going to go here or there. So now you're going to hire somebody else to figure it out for you, you know? Well, I guess that the benefit of this is that I used to be a wedding planner. So you have the benefit of not having to hire me. You get my services for free. And at the end of the day, you get to marry me too. So you're welcome, Oh, so we can do this again every year? (laughs) No. Go through this all over again? You're so funny. But But I think they're saying is like, I guess just hire somebody that knows what they're doing, you know, because they probably can handle all this stuff. Now, I wonder if this person can promise you to get your money back. Well, I don't know if they would promise to get your money back, but if you decide to move forward with your event and you know that there's going to be a compressed timeline because you haven't been able to get a whole lot of stuff done, it's an extra set of hands to help you move quicker on things. Oh, like a project manager. Basically, yeah. And if you think about it, we're all kind of trapped with our stay-at-home orders here in California, and we know that they've been extended pretty much through the end of... April at least. And so for somebody that's on a wedding timeline, that's almost two months. And I think, what is it, June is big wedding season? Or yep. It, yeah. June, like, Starts mid-May. Mid-May. So that's right. It's next month. Yep. And so if you've been uh, on a stay-at-home order for six or seven weeks, you're looking at a compressed timeline of only two or three weeks to be able to go out and get everything ready. So it might be, in that kind of a case, time to hire somebody to help you out. Yeah. I, you know, And also what I was saying is the sooner the better that you can start planning and figure out a game plan and letting people know the soon as you can do that, the better. Because do not, do not wait the last minute. Right. And that's one of the things that Chris and I, we've had to have some really hard uh, tear-filled conversations on my part 
about the reality of the situation. And ultimately what we know is it's not about some big, gigantic, extravagant celebration. It's really at the end of the day about the two of us loving each other and making this lifelong commitment to each other. And whatever that looks like, we're excited for that day. Frills or no frills, at the end of the day, we'll be husband and wife. You know, I was telling Christine that I think that... um I mean, the thing that worries me about this Hawaii wedding more than anything, really, is the fact that, say, it does happen, but the problem is, say, a lot of people in America are out of work or they're running on life support right now or, or whatever, that uh, doing a trip to Hawaii, it's not like taking a stroll down the street. It's kind of expensive and it's, and it's pricey. So a lot of people of our family and friends may not be able to make it. So I told Christine, I said, what if it's just a small family? It's still Hawaii, but what if it's still like a small, just the kids, maybe our parents, like that's it. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And ultimately I am too, but we just have to cross that bridge when we get there. And we hope that just being honest and vulnerable and sharing about where we're at in our journey helps you think through whatever big decisions you might be making and big events that you have coming up in your life. And so with that, We'll be right back after this with our second hot topic. Hey guys, what's up? It's the J Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new odd podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We and talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And Even YouTubers. Stuff and YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. All right, and keep moving forward. 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 And now it's time for hot topic number two. Ooh, deuces, baby. What you got? Yeah, so this one, it's not a list, but it's definitely still really relevant. And I am calling it co-parenting and coronavirus, the real dilemma. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, do explain because now I'm confused. Well, uh, co-parenting has its own implications when you are a divorced individual and you are co-parenting with your ex-spouse. That is very relatable because I'm doing that and... And I am doing that. But when you add to that the implications in the time of COVID-19, it has a lot of different considerations that you have to take into account. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about this article that comes from MSN.com about how divorced parents are handling the coronavirus pandemic and rethinking custody arrangements. Ooh, okay. What you got then, babe? All right. So what it talks about in this article is really around the implications of keeping children safe when it comes to hygienic practices, um, helping them to transition between households effectively, figuring out childcare schedules in the midst of school closures, and all of the other things that have now come into play for families um, that include divorced parents that are having to still co-parent. Yes. um, Also, too, is that like one parent probably has to, both parents probably have to be on the same page when it comes to like covering the mouths of the kids with the cloths and the bandanas and, and, and the masks, I guess, and washing the hands and, and uh, doing the Purell and all that stuff, I would think. Yeah, definitely. And if you think about that, when your kids are under one roof for the entire time with two parents living in one house, it's a lot easier to stay on the same page. But when you have two parents that, for whatever reason, are no longer married or maybe weren't ever married to begin with, in our case, we're both divorced from our former partners. And so... We have, both Chris and I have had to figure out how to keep 
the same rules, I, I guess, for a lack of better terms, like keep the same types of procedures across the different households. And I think for, mo- for both of us, I think those rules are pretty consistently the same on both houses, right, Christine? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think that there's some variability within each house, but I know like Chris with uh, your boy's mom, we talk and um, we text every day because what we're having to do is coordinate at home learning for the two little boys trying to figure out what they've learned, where they've left off, did they get through all of their materials? And so it's required a whole different level of conversation than we might have had previously. Yeah, so it does get a little complicated because uh, what tends to happen, I would think, uh, not just with us, but I would say with other families, is that they one parent seems to be more relaxed than the other on the disciplinary choices with the kids and on the health crisis and what the decisions are being made. And that can really put the kids at risk. Yeah, and I have a, a friend that was in a situation um, not related to the schooling, but when one of the parents, the former parent, or well, they're always their parent, but one of the parents that they don't live with all the time was exposed to COVID-19. <gasps> no way. And then the child, because they worked in the healthcare industry and the child was supposed to transition back into the other household. Well, what do you do in that kind of an instance when, you have, you, a, do? when you have a custody agreement and the child is risking being exposed? Um, you come to a really hard conversation of, do we now need to change custody schedules? And if so, what if the other parent is an essential worker? What are the implications for that? And so it's brought up a lot of different dynamics in an already really stressful time. And not to mention that, I just thought of something, Christine. What about the daycare centers? Right. Well, most of them are closed. And so when you have, what if both parents are essential workers and you now no longer have childcare, how do you decide who gets to work and who doesn't, who's going to stay home with the child now that their schools are closed. And if either or both parents get exposed to COVID-19, then who now has to take on the primary custody responsibilities? And it's definitely brought up a lot of different things in that entire environment, things that maybe we haven't had to proceed through because we've never been at a time like this before. Correct. And I do believe that a lot of people, I think when they made the decision that everybody has to stay home, everybody has to do this, I don't think there's a lot of things that they really thought through fully, you know? Right. I mean, and also too, like I said earlier, um, the people that are the lower income people that don't have the luxury luxury of staying at home and um, being getting paid their top salary to stay home and have the kids and do pretty much nothing or whatever work work from home, they actually have to go to work. A lot of there's a lot of jobs where you physically have to go to work, right? And get paid. If you don't, you're not getting paid. You might get a pay from the government for via um, you know unemployment unemplo- or something. Yeah, unemployment benefits or something like that. But the problem is, is that a lot of people don't have that or that choice or that luxury and they have to still pay their mortgage or their rent or whatever. Right. And, um, and they have bills to pay and they got childcare and, you know, expenses and kids to feed. So it's really tough decision. A lot of people might be ignoring this whole law. Yeah. And what it's forcing is some um, sometimes very uncomfortable or difficult conversations between ex spouses regarding parenting in a way, like I said, that they've never had to engage before because we've never been in a situation where, Schools are just closed indefinitely. And in California, we're facing a potential 
physical school closure all the way through the end of the school year with online learning for the rest of the year. Now, when you say end of the school year, are you talking up until the summer break? Yeah, June 15th, June 20th. Until September. Is it September they come back? Yeah, so we're looking at schools ending physically, like kids not going to school during the day, starting, I mean, it was like mid-March, all the way up until them not actually physically returning to a classroom until September. They're going to be in virtual classrooms, but... You can't just leave a child at home unsupervised to get on their Zoom call and do their remote lessons with their teacher. A parent needs to be there. I wonder how many parents um, that are essential workers that just leave their child, say he's in high school or even younger, just at home by themselves. I'm I'm sure all of them probably, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, legally, a child has to be, I think it's like 12 years old to stay at home completely alone. Maybe it's... Maybe it's 11. Is there a time frame of how many hours away from an adult or the whole day? I don't know, but I know that there's some uh, regulations regarding how young a child can be. Maybe it's 10 where they can stay by themselves, but I think that they have to be 12 if they're going to be supervising a younger sibling. Oh, is that what it is? Like be a babysitter? Right. But think about the implications of that. If you have two parents in two different households and you have a couple of kids and you're trying to figure out schooling and both of the parents, because they're single parents and they're single income households, possibly, I mean, if they're not remarried, they're just trying to figure out how to put food on the table, all the while trying to maintain online remote learning for their kids, hand washing, keeping them in their masks, keeping them safe, keeping them from being outside and playing with other kids or other family members. Because it's not like you can even rely on other family members to watch your kids right now. Right. They got to be, everybody's got to be away. Right. And so this time frame of co-parenting and Corona or COVID-19 is really um, even more of a challenge for the divorced parents or even the single parents. Because I know we're talking about- I think about, parents in general, probably it's a yeah, real challenging thing. But when you don't have two parents in a household, think of the struggle even more. And also think about the the parent who can't work from home. Right. They can't physically do that because whatever their job is, they can't do that. Yeah. I know that in our situation, I mean, I'm able to work remotely from home. Chris is not. And uh, his two boys on, on the other side, in the other household, the parents aren't able to work from home. And so we've had to make some really challenging decisions about who works, who stays home, how are the boys getting educated, and ultimately... All of that time that people aren't able to work to be able to care for the kids is taking food off the table at an already really difficult time. And so all we're saying is this co-parenting and coronavirus uh, negotiation, I guess, for lack of better terms, as you're trying to figure out how to navigate it between two separate households. Number one recommendation we would say is give each other grace. No matter how negative your relationship has been in the past, Give grace because it's all a it's a really tough time for everybody. You know, I think there's a few moments. For the most part, you probably can tell that I'm pretty nice to my ex-wife. For the most part, I would say. And when it comes to the kids stuff, I'm pretty much, you know, I take the kids over to her. She drops them off to here, you know, and and things of that sort. Yeah, I mean, we've had to have a whole different kind of a relationship even lately. Like, okay, do you need something from the grocery store? I'll pick it up for you. Do you need me to make copies of their schoolwork? I'll make it for you, and vice versa. And just definitely have had to work a lot more collaboratively, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. And it also helps the fact that they are pretty close by, what, 
five miles away, maybe ten miles away at the most yeah. from, from the house. So so our houses are houses are pretty close together. So when we do go back and forth, it's only maybe a ten minute drive between houses, which makes it easier to negotiate. And the kids, my kids, happen to be we we do the split, we do switch offs every week. Um, on Tuesdays and Saturdays. Right. So it's every week we have the kids. And I think a lot of other divorced families, I think they do it like every summer or every so many months, right? No, every every divorced situation is different. Oh, yeah, and I guess. And so I like guess. in my situation, we have split 50-50 custody of my son Ezekiel. But when I was recruited for a job down here in San Diego, we had to make the really difficult decision of where does he stay in school? And so Ezekiel stayed up in Fresno. So it doesn't mean that I gave away my 50% of the time, but it was for his educational benefit, I was allowing him to stay there. So what that means is when he's not in school, physically in school, I try to get him as much as possible, which means things like every other weekend, um, he's either here, or I'm there, uh, all of the like spring break, summer breaks and all of those things. Well, spring break fell during this time of COVID-19. And I started to feel under the weather, really under the weather uh, several days ago. And so his father and I had to have a really difficult dis- discussion. And I was bawling my eyes out because I was so looking forward. Oh, well, I was, sorry, babe. But I was so looking forward to having my son here for 10 days. And this stupid virus has come about. And anytime you show symptoms, you have to inform the other parent and you have to give them the opportunity to say no, that the child is not going to come. And that's what had to happen was, you know, I had certain symptoms and we had to say, we're going to postpone this visit. We're going to take it up on a different time. Uh, But it's all of those types of things are the decisions that have to be made right now. And so if you are co-parenting during COVID-19, our heart goes out to you. We are walking through it with you. We will be an encouragement to one another. Yes, Yes, we do. Yeah. And we would love to know what works for you. Yes, what works for you guys, because um, we feel your pain, you know, and if you are not in this situation and you are able to work from home and you are have no kids and you are living the video game lifestyle and chilling, eating Funyuns all day, God bless you. You are a hero. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, right. what we'll say is if you don't find yourself in this situation, there may be somebody in your life that is. And so the number one thing that you could do is to just reach out to them by text message and let them know that you're thinking of them and that you want to encourage them and that wherever they're at in this journey, they're doing a good job. Well, that is fantastic. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to do our Shout Out Central where we bring it back to you guys. Yep. And we are so excited for the countries that we had join us on the podcast listener list this week. And we have a shout out for Canada, Indonesia, Spain, hey there, and Australia. Good day, Mike. (laughs) It kills me every time (laughs) you do that. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast and bringing it back to America. We have the city of Ashburn, Virginia. They have listened quite a bit. And I want to say thank you. Whoever's listening at Ashburn, Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you listening. By the way, drop us a line. Email us. <laughs> yeah, we want to know who you are because you're listening a lot and we appreciate it. Thank you. And we bring it back to California in Ramona, California, which is not far from here. Thank you for listening, Ramona. Then we go over to Deerfield, Ohio. Woohoo! Thank you for listening, Deerfield. Then we get over to Cedarburg, Wisconsin. 
Thank you, Cedarburg, for listening. Shout out. And we are so thankful for all of our wonderful listeners every week. And the very last one we got here that we're going to mention today is Geneseo, New York. Woohoo, New York. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate everybody listening. Thank you. And we will see you guys next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward. <laughs>